Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Witeka. Conversations plus connections equals community. <coughs> Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Well, happy Monday to everyone that's listening. And I just want to say I'm all shook up, and there's a reason why I'm saying that. Because (laughs) thank you, you heard a little giggle in the background, and, and there's a reason for that. Today the show is all about the Memphis Rock and Soul Museum, and the Memphis Music Hall of Fame with my guests, John Doyle and Laura Montanero. And I would just like you to know that John is the executive director of both the museum and the Hall of Fame, and Lori is the administrator of both of those uh, organizations or, 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 or businesses, or however we want to call that. And I just want to welcome you to the show, John. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Marcia. It's great being on. Oh, it truly. And Lori, my buddy, great to have you joining me, Lori. It's finally happening, isn't it? Yes. Thank you so much, Marcia. Oh, it's 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 just a blast. Lori and I became fast Facebook friends over the period of time and and now we're best friends. But but that's yep. a side note. So for now, Lori what has, I thought was Lori you, has Lori has great ahead. Facebook friends, by the way. She does, and we have a mutual contact, John. If it wasn't for yeah. Marcelo Tubert, who was a guest on my show a few years ago, I wouldn't have met Lori. So shout out right. to our mutual buddy. Um, but, John, I thought Absolutely. because this is such an exciting week for you guys, and we're going to talk all mm-hmm. about what's happening at the end of the week, let's let our, our listeners get to know about you, my, cent- my southern gentleman friend. Tell us a little bit about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I am a native Memphian, if the southern drawl does not give that away already. Um, I've, I've recently turned 60, lived in Memphis practically my whole life. Uh, despite the fact the way we talk here in the Deep South, um, I am a college graduate with an art degree. And um, <laughs> then uh, some way or another through advertising and then working with some great not-for-profits, including the Memphis and May International Festival, which is a huge party Memphis throws every year. I've been here at the Memphis Rock and Soul Museum for 16 years now, a job that I anxiously took in 2003 and thought I might be here for a couple of years. And uh, it's the best job ever because it's a great city and um, all the excitement that's wrapped around not only our city but our musical legacy I mean, no one could have a better job than what Laurie and I get to do. And so been married for 34 years, have a nine-month-old grandson, and the rest is all about this museum and Memphis music. Terrific. When you said I have a nine-month-old, I, I, I don't know if you could have seen my face. I went, you have a nine-month-old and you just turned 60? Oh, my God. Grandchild. Of course, and you added Grandchild. it with grand. Yes, there you go. Thank goodness. So there you my go. Wife passed, how, and, my wife passed out listening to the show, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, wake her up. Throw some water on her. That's um, right. Anyway, it's definitely a grandchild. Congrats, 
There you go. <laughs> okay, Lori, let's let's have you share a little bit about yourself as well. Okay. Well, I grew up in Los Angeles. I moved away to Chicago when I was a teenager, and I only spent about 18 months there, which was a, a real cultural shock for me to go from flip-flops to uh, snow boots. That was really, really mm-hmm. difficult to do. And then in the mid-'70s, I moved to Memphis, and I have been – here most of that time I did move away I moved to Kansas uh, a tornado caused me to say uh uh-uh, uh I'm going back to Memphis <laughs> so I've been in Memphis for quite a while now and um I uh just I've married almost 20 years to my husband I have two sons grown men no grandchildren so I I can't top that with John um right and uh, mm-hmm. I've been with the uh, Rock and Soul Museum for eight and a half years now. Got it. And it's a great I, job. Like John says, it is a great job. Well, I I am so – for those of us that have never been to Memphis, and I'm raising my mm-hmm. hand as one of those people, um, yeah. this this makes me want to just um, book, a, book a flight. And I'll stay with you, Lori. Um, but anyway, um, I, sure. I, I, I really, I, I think that this is going to be so interesting for those of us that have never been there, and for those of you that have been there. What a great memory for you to hear about the things that are going on in your museum and in your Hall of Fame. And John, I'm going to defer yeah. to you to some of this. And I thought we could start off by just having you give our give our listeners a little bit about the history of the Rock and Soul Museum, and then also about the Hall of Fame, if you wouldn't mind. I'd be happy to. We will probably sound like travel agents because Laurie and I both love these museums. We love the city, what the musical legacy is all about. I mean, you know, it, people get tired of me just going on constantly about how special this city is, the legends that came out of this city, the music that completely changed the planet. And the Smithsonian Institution actually recognized that as well. And in the 1990s, they began working on a research project to trace the origins of America's music. Really, where did soul music come from? Where did rock and roll come from? And everything kept pointing back to Memphis, Tennessee, not so much the city itself, but the agricultural area around our city and how in the early 1900s so many sharecroppers and individuals off of agricultural farms moved into the city and with it brought their music. And this is the music that merged together with sounds from Nashville, from gospel music throughout the uh, throughout the South, um, all these sounds began to merge together as black musicians and white musicians began to sing together at a time when we were completely segregated as a country, and um, that music created the sound that has touched every single listener that's listening to your radio station, whether they're from here in the States, whether they're from Australia, New Zealand, India, whatever. The music that came and literally exploded out of Memphis, Tennessee, is what changed the entire cultural complexion of our planet. We went from here in the States politely sitting and clapping at a Perry Como song or a Frank Sinatra song to standing up and celebrating and throwing things on the stage and standing throughout Mm -hmm. concerts. That's the way we celebrate music, and we have taught the entire planet how to celebrate music with the birth of rock and roll that came out of 
Memphis. And so with that research project by the Smithsonian Institution, they wanted it to become a full-fledged museum and began talking with some officials here in Memphis. This is before Laurie. This is before me. And um, talked to them about a brick-and-mortar museum. And in April of 2000, the Rock and Soul Museum opened. It's the only museum in the world that's been com – the exhibit's been completely researched and developed by the world-famous Smithsonian Institution and turned it over to the city in which it resides. We're a Smithsonian affiliate, like many other museums, but we're the only one where the Smithsonian literally developed our whole exhibit. And it's a phenomenal exhibit. It tells the story. It's packed with music that people listen to. And um, and so that's really how Rock and Soul came about um, with that formation of a museum by the Smithsonian Institution. I had the chance to come four years later in 2003 we opened in the Gibson Guitar Factory in downtown Memphis, which was an incredibly cool place where Gibson handmade those incredibly legendary guitars of theirs. And then when the city built the NBA arena for the Memphis Grizzlies, they themed that arena with a Memphis music theme and wanted our museum to be a part of their campus. And so that was literally right across the street from Gibson Guitar. We moved the museum and we're now located at FedEx Forum in downtown Memphis. That's a it's a great story and and I I would just like to share with you John that there are many <clears throat> excuse me there are many subjects that I enjoy um mm -hmm. I certainly enjoy photography I particularly love the birds yeah. and the animals and blah 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 I don't know where I would be without music I yeah. my yeah. little I still have my original transistor radio of course it doesn't work I don't even think they make batteries for those any longer but I right. grew up I'm 10 years older than you, and I grew up mm -hmm. with Dick Clark, and I grew up by, right. with local TV shows. And music, to me, regardless of whether you know the language or not, I was in another country, and this guy right. is singing along with the music, but he doesn't speak English. And I said, that's correct. Well, no, he, he, that's not his native language. And I said, you speak English yeah. so well. And he said, I've learned my English from listening to your music. And we you know, can that all is, relate that, to it. Yeah, that's so funny that you say that, Marcia, because the Smithsonian Institution says the exact same thing. They say that English is the primary language of business around the planet because of the music that erupted out of Memphis, Tennessee, because before these countries began speaking English as their second language, they began singing our lyrics. And by singing our lyrics, they learned our language. And so, therefore, it became the prominent language around a planet because, as you know, everything touches music. Our TV commercials, our movies, our TV shows, the way we dress, the way we wear our hair, everything is influenced by the music that exploded out of Memphis and all music that it influenced thereafter. Everything we listen to, whatever station we're listening to, whatever we're listening to on our iPod, it influences us. And Memphis is a... You know, Memphis is a mid-sized city here in the United States, but is internationally known because of music. FedEx is incredibly important to us. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital is incredibly important to us. Barbecue is incredibly important to us. But the mm -hmm. music that erupted out of Memphis, it truly put this city on the map. It's what our roads are paved with. It's an mm -hmm. exciting city because music is a thread that runs through every Memphian uh, in this city. Well, it's beautifully spoken, and it must be particularly 
wonderful for you, John, as a, a native to be able to mm-hmm. be this intricately involved. You, you could be working for FedEx, you know, but you but you yep. have that that burning the hunk of hunk of burning love. I'm sorry, I'm going right. to be doing this the whole show. Um, That's okay. And you know, you can't, we can't help but throw Elvis into the mix. But there are, oh my gosh, I, I, I just, I would like to tell people as, as we're speaking, and certainly I, I've notated it in my blogs. But you have two really exceptional websites, and for those of you that are listening, um, I will just tell you that one is the Memphis Music. Hall of Fame dot com, mm-hmm. and that's for the Hall of Fame. And the other is the Memphis Rock, the letter N and Soul dot org. And both of those um, websites are, are beautifully done, crafted beautifully, cool. and people can see, you know, more about what you, what we're talking about today. But I highly recommend that people visit your websites. Um, so let me ask you, Lori. I, I want to ask you this question. Okay. Um, what What was? I mean, here you are. You didn't. You didn't start out in Memphis like John did. But mm-hmm. I have a feeling that you, there may be some connection here. So, what was your earliest musical influence? Well, I was so privileged to see the Beatles at the Hollywood Bowl in 1965, and I was actually close enough to hear them. But, yes, I was one of those girls yelling out John's name. (laughs) And that was my first musical influence, the Beatles. I am a huge Beatles fan. My father raised me around music, and my big brother uh, always got me involved with music, too. He'd sit me down and say, oh, you've got to hear this record, you know, you've got to hear this record. And here I am, just this little kid. But I was so into it, and it really just became my life. Music was my life. Isn't it? Isn't it funny? I don't know if either one of you can relate to this, but every once in a while, more often than I'm willing to admit, it's like, what day is it? <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> a song comes on the radio. Do I know every <laughs> lyric? Do I know what it is when I hear the first two notes of the song? I I could have gone on Name That Tune. I, I mean, mm-hmm. music is just one of those things that not everybody loves it as much as the three of us do. I, I respect that. But for those of us that do, that still have um, uh, uh, LPs, I still have vinyl, yep. I still have cassettes, I still have CDs, you know, then you download, you know, we, we've moved forward in technology. But just looking at those old record albums of what music has meant to all of us, who who cannot relate to maybe a really wonderful time when you went to your high school prom, or maybe it's a very sad moment. It's, I, I, we all have them. We all have trigger, at least, I, will, it's, I won't speak for the world. I will just say I definitely have trigger music that when I hear it, I... I have an emotion to it, and I just think that that's one of the beauties, really one of the beauties of, of music. But, but Lori, um, do, do, you, do you personally, do you play any instruments, or do you have any yes, musical I, I background? Yes, I play guitar. I play guitar. Uh-huh. I am self-taught. I'm not fantastic, but I can play. 
Is it an acoustic? Uh, I, was never, I was never, you know, professionally taught. I watched my big brother because he was a, an amazing guitarist. He played left-handed, so it was kind of confusing for me to figure out what he was doing. But I finally figured it out. And so I, I was self-taught, but mainly because of watching him. And um, it's it's just, it calms me. It gives me a sense of joy. And, and I just, I love having that feel against me when I'm playing the guitar and feeling the vibration. It it's just so magical. Do you sing too? Oh gosh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Not even if nobody's oh, listening. No. no, you don't sing I might, along I might with your sing guitar. In the shower or, you know, yeah, we're not playing a little maybe, but oh no, no, no. No one wants Marcia, to sing. Marsha, we Marsha, we have this great story that we tell at the Rock and Soul Museum. One of the cool things about it is Everybody that comes in gets a headset and an MP3 player. The Smithsonian loaded 300 minutes of information on that. But more importantly, they in, they loaded 100 incredible songs that kind of tell the whole evolution of rock and roll and soul music as it emerged out of Memphis, Tennessee. And we laugh every single day because people from all over the world, usually on a, any given day, about 40 to 50% of our guests at Rock and Soul are international tourists. They love our country. They love our music. They're really intrigued with the southeast United States um, because we're about 20 or 30 years behind the rest of the country, and they just <laughs> love the way that everything kind of came about and kind of emerged out of this area. But they put those headsets on, and they do listen to all the information that Robert Honeymoon Gardner tells them about uh, this incredible story. But they listen to the music and they f- begin to forget that they've got headsets on and to hear Great Balls of Fire or Suspicious Minds mm-hmm. or Wooly Bully sung with incredible New Zealand accents or um, Boston accents. And they don't realize that the staff can hear you singing and you don't sing as well as you think that you sing. And so it's it's very fun. So uh, Laurie and I are both in that same thing. Um, I'm envious of her that she can play an instrument. But, um, yeah, we stay away from singing, but we do listen to our guests sing every day through the museum. It's fabulous. I I, it, it must be fabulous. Are you open seven days a week? Mm-hmm. Seven days a week, seven yeah. Days. Rock and Soul is open 930 until 7 every day, and Hall of Fame is open um, – Nine a is open ten a.m. until seven every day. Um, nice. gr- the, we've got an incredible staff because they're very mean boss and executive director. We close for Christmas Day, Thanksgiving mm-hmm. Day, and Laurie, I think that's it, isn't it? Um, yeah. I, I think, other than I that, think they are here every day. New Year's, possibly New that's Year's, right. but one usually time I not. closed on New Year's. That's right. Yeah, I <laughs> think that was one time, but. But yeah, we're open New Year's Day. Come, come see us. Yeah, yeah. I can I can really imagine where you'd have to truly, if you had the time and opportunity. This isn't a one-time only kind of. Well, I've been there, done that. I would imagine mm-hmm. that this is a type of, of location where you're going to go more than once. Where you're going to you yep. you can't take it all in the first time. <clears throat> and um, I I just I just think it's. So awesome! I, I really do think it's 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 so yeah. cool. So just you, so that I, because you talked I've, about that, I'm not, go ahead. You talked about that transistor radio that you used to listen yes. to. It's incredible to go through and see what the Smithsonian put together. We've got that transistor radio in 
a mm-hmm. glass display case in the museum. We have eight track tapes and a glass display case in the museum. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you it you know I've said many times, unlike going to uh, visit our friends in Europe and going to some of the incredible museums in Europe and you see incredible paintings by Van Gogh or Picasso or Rembrandt and and fabulous sculptures. This is a museum where you've lived the exhibit that you're going through. Some way or another, this story that you're walking through, where I can't relate to what Picasso did, I can relate to something in the Rock and Soul Museum. Either the music my grandparents played, like Lori mentioned, the music that older siblings played or that we grew up with. You know, every everything touches us, whether it's a transistor radio, whether it's an 8-track tape. And so people do come out just bubbling because they feel like they have... Um, reminisced a little bit and shared a part of their life, and they want to share those stories with our staff when they come out. It's so true. Uh, uh, it's that, so true. That, that makes a, it makes a lot of sense. I, I I would imagine that if you could just like be the fly on the wall and just watch people and and how they react. Sometimes with laughter, I would yeah. imagine many times with tears. That's like, oh yeah. my God, this is my grandma's favorite song, or whatever. You know, this yeah. is what was happening in my life when that came on. You know, depending upon the, you know, my children grew up hearing music in the house too. And, mm-hmm. you know, while their music was <clears throat> not the same as ours, um, and I kind of classify us in the same um, genre. Um, they do love it, and you, you know, you mm-hmm. talked about the Beatles. Mm-hmm. You know, how could, how could boys in high school? And I, when the Beatles came out, I was still when they came to the U.S. in 1964. I was just in my last year of junior high school. Do you don't think those boys started growing their hair like the Beatles? Of course Absolutely. they did. They Absolutely. had these bowl cut hairstyles. We didn't. The girls want to dress like, you know, the flower child and just just that whole. It's 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 a culture, right? It's it's an absolute it's an absolute culture. So let me ask you just from a logistical question, since I've never been there. So the museum mm-hmm. itself is in the FedEx building now. That's where the where the Grizzlies play. Is it in the same campus as is the basketball team? That's correct. It's on a it's on a big campus right in the middle of downtown Memphis. The big round building with the FedEx logo on the top of it. That's where the Grizzlies play. And um, then their administrative building is sitting right next to it. And we encompass the whole first floor of that building. And so. Um, you know, it's a fun place. It's right in the middle of downtown. Bill Street is literally out of our front door. Anybody that watched um, uh, Game Day um, when the Tigers played SMU and they broadcast from um, Bill Street as right outside our front door. The Chiska Hotel, where Elvis did his first radio interview, is right outside our back door. Um, the fire station that was converted into a studio where Incredible Legends recorded, and Ringo Starr did his last solo album there. That's also right outside our back door. So we're nestled right here in downtown, Weston Hotel across the street, world-famous Peabody Hotel a block away from us. The river is two blocks away from us, and there's no better vista of the incredible Mississippi River than um, here in Memphis, Tennessee. And um, that's just a, you know a couple blocks from us. So it's an incredible place. You come... And you feel like you have gone to a musical Disneyland because you can hear the blues on Beale Street, just like Mark Cohen sang in his song so many times. 
Um, you can go right down the street to Sun Studios where the magic happened. Uh, you can go a few blocks away, and Lori used to be one of the VIP um, tour guides at Graceland, which we call the mothership, because that incredible house, mm-hmm. which is the second most visited residence in the entire United States, has 600,000-plus people that come and visit it every year um, because of a pretty incredible musician that lived there at one time. And so mm-hmm. Elvis's house brings tons of tourists to this city, despite the fact that it's been so many years since he's passed away. And, and it's, it's, an, uh, it's a magical place. The city has not torn down its old buildings and put up um, glass and stainless skyscrapers. Um, you can ride riverboats. Uh, you can um, scooter your way all around downtown. We've done a fantastic job with bike lanes and everything. So it's a, it's a contemporary city that has not lost its gusto and it's maintained its authenticity. Um, and so you can come and enjoy soul food. You can come and enjoy barbecue. Um, I mean, I can't say enough good things, uh, you know, about the city and what it is and how well it's protected this um, legacy that was built on music and the Mississippi River and on blacks and whites. I mean, you know, the Civil Rights Museum Mm -hmm. is an incredible stop. Um, We have our black eyes without question. Half of the city's population passed away during the Yellow Plague epidemics of the early 1900s. Um, And then, of course, the uh, we were part of. Um, segregation like rest of the country, but unfortunately, um, there was the heartache of Dr. King being assassinated yeah. here. But um, this is a city at um, you know literally blacks and whites come together in all things, whether we're going to a a Tiger football game or to see Penny Hardaway coach a Tiger basketball game, <laughs> or to attend a Grizzlies game, or go to a concert, or go to Memphis in May down on the river. It's in, it's an incredible place. Well, I'm telling you, I can see your next job, Mayor. Uh, the other question I wanted to know, <laughs> just saying, the other question that I'm curious to know since I have, well, that's probably funnier than I realize, right? Um, but I right. can hear it. The, the, I guess the other, so just to, just to clear this for me, so that's the museum. Now, as far yeah. as the Hall of Fame is where is yeah. that located in relationship to the museum? Is that a place you also people go to visit as well? Absolutely, and um, okay. it is one block. It's one block away from the Rock and Soul Museum. It began, oh, Marcia, as yeah. It began as a tribute. You know, after Rock and Soul had been here for about Lori, I think it was about twelve years. We decided that our city needed a. Memphis Music Hall of Fame. You know, there are Music Hall of Fames around the world. I visited one in Sweden um, that's real prominent as far as ABBA goes, the ABBA Museum as well. And um, Georgia had a Music Hall of Fame. Um, Nashville has a Country Music Hall of Fame. Obviously, we know the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. There's a Texas Music Hall of Fame. But Memphis is one of, if not the only city, um, Detroit's another one I would throw in there, where the city itself could host a music hall of fame and not be of one musical genre. You know, we are literally blues, gospel, rock and roll, soul, R&B, rap music, country music. Uh, We run the gamut. Uh, It's a place where folks of all genres come here and record and play. and, um, And so it touches all those things. So 
you know, we knew that it was something that the city needed, and um, we started it as an expansion of our mission, which is to preserve and tell the story of Memphis music and perpetuate its legacy. And we started it as a tribute, and then the mayor came along and said, where are you going to put the physical Memphis Music Hall of Fame? And we didn't have mm-hmm. plans for that initially because our heart and soul, literally, are in the Rock and Soul Museum. But it provided us a great opportunity to expand that mission where Rock and Soul talks about the history of Memphis music. We can celebrate the heroes of Memphis music with the Memphis Music Hall of Fame. It's a smaller museum. Both museums are located right on the edge of Beale Street. Um, Memphis Music Hall of Fame sits right next to the Hard Rock Cafe, and in between Hard Rock Cafe and an incredible store called Lansky's, Lansky Brothers Clothing Store is where Elvis Presley, Isaac Hayes, Johnny Cash used to go to buy their clothes. And the Lansky Mm. family still operates it, and that store is still there right next to the Memphis Music Hall of Fame Museum at 2nd and Beale Street. Rock and Soul Museum is located at FedEx Forum at the corner of, this is an incredible address, at the corner of B.B. King Boulevard and Beale Street. (laughs) That's and cool. so they're a block away, and we sell a combo ticket so that people, for the price of a regular museum ticket anywhere else, you can come and go through two incredible museums. Well, you know, you also cleared something up for me because I'm I'm a literal kind of person, and now I want to ask you about what's happening on Friday. So you do refer to the the Hall of Fame as a museum as well. They're both considered museums. Is is that is that am I right about that? That or? is correct. Yeah, okay, now there is a Hall okay. of Fame. It, the Hall of Fame Museum opened in 2015. Got it. Okay, so okay, yep. so that that's where maybe some of my confusion. So let's spend yep. a little bit of time because I know there's a lot coming up, and I, I'm I'm really right. excited to hear about this. So you have a huge event coming up on Friday. In fact, yep. I want to thank you. Um, I would imagine that you are swamped with work. If, and I know, so let's let's talk about what's happening on Friday and your inductees and a little bit about the background because I did do a little research. That's why I know that uh, I think 2012 was your. If you call it a class, is that would that be how you would? That's right. The class of okay, perfect. So I know your first class was in 2012 and it was a large class and I believe right. you know, Elvis was part of that and you've had some mm-hmm. incredibly notable people just like you said, John, which I thought was very interesting. All genres, rap, mm-hmm. country, rhythm and blues, men, women, mm-hmm. groups, it, it's it's a quite an astounding group of people. But what's happening this week? Tell us about what, what we can expect to know about your, your program for this week. Yeah, absolutely. It is the largest night of Memphis music celebration that happens every year. And it is when the city turns out to pay tribute to these folks that put us on the international map. Um, And, you know, again, you know, we started it in 2012. We started with a rather large class the first year. Um, This is our eighth Memphis Music Hall of Fame induction ceremony coming up this Friday night at the Cannon Center for the Performing Arts, which is an incredible venue where the symphony and many other concerts take place. It was originally Ellis Auditorium. Many years ago, which is the um, where Elvis played one of his first concerts, and many other legends played at that at that venue, and we celebrate these individuals. They come to town. They, you know, it's interesting, Marcia. They are t- 
Tony Award winners, Oscar winners, Academy uh, Academy Award winners, Tony Award winners, and obviously Grammy Award winners, but they are so thrilled to be recognized by their hometown because this is the city that kind of gave them wings from a musical standpoint, and um, and so they come to town. Most folks um, probably, when they think of Memphis, they think of Elvis, as we did when he was inducted the first year. And you mentioned that website. What we chose to do with the Hall of Fame website when we started it as a tribute before the museum came along three years later was we wanted on that website for each inductee to have their own individual tribute page that was custom created, not a cookie cutter page for each inductee, but it truly um, displayed and um, their personality, their genre of music, there's clips of um, interviews, there's music clips, there's photos, there's biographies. So it really becomes a comprehensive encyclopedia of not only Memphis music, but an, a musical encyclopedia of many of the greatest museum, greatest musicians who ever, um, you know, walked the face of the earth. If I can take a couple of seconds and, you know, I get the whole Elvis thing and no one in Memphis Everyone in Memphis loves Elvis Presley because he is he continues to be a driving force of our whole economy here in this city. But when you uh-huh. look at Memphis, and we could go down a list because if folks go to the website, you could see these names. I mean, it is. Oh, I'm looking at Callen it right Wolf, now. It's just. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's Callan Wolf. It's Booker T and the MGs. It's Isaac Hayes. It's Reverend Al Green. It's Aretha Franklin who was born here. It's Tina Turner who was born here. Um, it, it is Jerry Lee Lewis. It is Johnny Cash. It is Carl Perkins. It is the box top. Otis Big Redding. Star, which is one of the, it goes on and on. I mean, and so yeah. this year with the eight people that were in the eight uh, inductees that were inducting this year, one is a group. Um, we will be at 82. Um, inductees into the Memphis Music Hall of Fame. I've said well, many congratulations. times. Congratulations. Yeah, it's cool. It's so cool for the city, and I hope I don't offend anybody in, uh, let's say, Oklahoma City. But if I lived in Oklahoma City, I would probably induct 12 to 20 people, and I'd be through. In Memphis, Tennessee, we're at 82, and we're just starting because there's so many yeah. people. The the least fun part of my job is every year I get cussed out by somebody who says, I can't <laughs> believe Jimmy Jameson's not in yet. I can't believe Bill Black of the Bill Black Combo's not in yet. And, uh, you know, and it's incredible. But it, it signifies to Memphians, and the thing I can answer with every year is, at least when I'm getting cussed out, they're talking about Memphis music. And it is such an exhaustive, comprehensive thing that, you know, that truly made our city, and so it, it makes it tons of fun. I Do people, uh, it, you can buy tickets, right? I, I believe I have that posted right. on my on my blog. So people can, are you sold out? Are, are there still t- tickets still available? There are still tickets available because Perfect. we use the orchestra and the parterre section of the um, Cannon Center for the Performing Arts, and so mm-hmm. if, um, you know, if, Another 200 people that are listening to this radio thing want to come to one of the most incredible cities on the planet and enjoy one of the most incredible musical experiences you'll ever experience, then um, absolutely come buy a ticket. Terrific. Um, it'll be a blast. It's awesome. How, 
Uh, you know, so maybe uh, one of you can and answer this for me, Lori or, or John. Um, mm-hmm. What I guess what I'd be curious to know about, so eight are being inducted. You mentioned Tina Turner, which is somebody that I am familiar with. How does yep. the nominating – is? it's a committee, I'm assuming. There's a committee that gets together, and you select yep. – the inductees each year. So how how does that how does that work? How do you determine who's going to be selected? Yeah, it is by committee. It's an incredible nominating committee. I keep my hands completely clean, <laughs> and um, mm-hmm. and they you know they really put their hearts and minds and brains into it as far as because what we've emphasized from day one, it's not a popularity contest. Just you know, despite the fact that. B.B. Um, King went in year one. B.B. King is no more important than uh, Florence Cole Talbert McCleave, who is going in this year, who most people don't know. And this is another incredible thing about the in, about the Memphis Music Hall of Fame. You will learn more about you know some legends like the Staple Singers, and you will be introduced mm-hmm. to people like uh, Madame McCleave, who was one of the earliest. Um, African-American soprano opera singers, uh, the Hmm. first um, African-American soprano to sing lead in Aida in um, Europe um, to an all-white cast, um, and Professor W.T. McDaniel, who was a a band leader who, at the time when we were dealing with segregated schools, he became the first um, band and choir teacher at the black high schools in Memphis, Tennessee, when white high schools had music teachers, the African-American high schools did not. So he taught Hmm. music at two incredible legendary high schools, Manassas High School, where folks like Isaac Hayes attended school, and Booker T. Washington Mm -hmm. High School, where legends like David Porter and Rufus Thomas attended high school. And so Mm -hmm. he was split between those two schools and actually had a a jacket, a band leader's jacket that was half the colors of Manassas High School and half the colors of Booker T. Washington High School. And his students included, you know, incredible folks like Phineas Newborn and and Isaac Hayes and others. And so when you look at the impact he had as far as pulling people out of inner city communities of Memphis, Tennessee in the 1930s and 40s and elevating them to some of the greatest, um, you know, musicians on the planet. Um, and so the the roster is incredible, but the nominating committee goes into a lot of evaluation as far as um, diversity, not just racial diversity or gender diversity, but genre diversity to make sure that we're hitting jazz and blues and, and every musical genre that, that Memphis celebrates and, um, and comes up, you know, with the class that, um, that is, that is posted. Again, it, it um, aggravate some people because I know there are folks who write me every year that have been waiting for individuals. But, you know, it's it's all about, like, for instance, this year we are um, celebrating Dan Penn. Uh, Dan Penn's an incredible songwriter that many of your listeners will know about. And for many years he worked with Chips Moman, and for many years he was co-writer with uh, Spooner Oldham. And, you know, folks said, should we induct both Dan Penn and Spooner Oldham the same year? But we want Dan Penn to be properly celebrated, and he's going to be here, and he's going to perform. Uh, and Spooner Oldham deserves his own um, his own time to be individually honored and celebrated. And so, you know, sometimes it's decisions like that. Do all of the inductees have some Memphis 
connection in some way or another? Absolutely. That's a great question. Um, the first year when we were putting together the rules of being inducted in the Memphis Music Hall of Fame, um, and I think Lori, um, she um, complies with all these rules, so it's forthcoming since she plays the guitar, but she's not there yet. But um, <laughs> the first thing they asked was, do they have to be born in Memphis, Tennessee? Fortunately not, because if they had to be born in Memphis, Tennessee, um, none of the Million Dollar Quartet, Elvis Presley, Carl Perkins, Jerry Lee Lewis, um, or I forgot I forgot someone, Johnny Cash, uh, Jerry Lee Lewis, yeah. Elvis, and Carl Perkins. You know, Roy Orbison, who became so famous at Sun Studios, was not born in Memphis, Tennessee. B.B. King was not born in Memphis, Tennessee, despite the fact that he called Memphis home and, and has a street named mm -hmm. after him. Um, you know, so many of these, they don't have to be born. They have to make a significant contribution to the development of Memphis music or be born here. You know, Aretha Franklin, um, everybody associates Aretha Franklin with Detroit, justifiably right. so. Um, she didn't live here in Memphis very long, but she began learning music from her father, who was a pastor here in Memphis. She was born here in Memphis. Her house is being, they're attempting to preserve her birthplace um, here in Memphis, Tennessee. And so, you know, it's that. Um, we caught some slack when we inducted ZZ Top because everybody knows ZZ Top as being the the best little band in Texas or Texas. whatever the moniker is that they go by. ZZ Top maintained a residence in Memphis, Tennessee for 13 years and recorded three of their biggest albums at Ardent Studio here in Memphis. And so, you know, can we overlook someone like that? We don't think so. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, if someone recorded uh, a, a large part of their um, collection here uh, or their discography here, um, if they made significant contributions, that's not necessarily as a singer. It can be as a radio personality, such as George Klein, who was Elvis's best friend. It could be as an engineer or a studio owner, such as John Fry, who owned Ardent Studios. Ardent Studios has recorded everybody from... Um, you know, Led Zeppelin and ZZ Top and uh, et cetera. And so, you know, it really goes to their contribution to um, to music and their involvement in the city of Memphis. Okay, I'm going to ask you just one. So Justin Timberlake, what's his connection? Let I me put you on see. the spot, Justin, of course. <laughs> Justin Timberlake was born and raised in Memphis, Tennessee. He considers no. Memphis, Tennessee his own. Let's say Millington, Tennessee. Millington, no Tennessee kidding. is a suburb of Memphis right outside the city. Um, he <laughs> considers Memphis home. And he was just here okay. about a month ago, and he set up an uh, incredible music studio for the students at the Stax Music Academy that's located at the Stax Museum of American Soul Music um, so that those kids would have access to top of the line. He did this in conjunction with Levi's. Um, he made a $100,000 donation to the Rock and Soul Music Museum many years ago. Um, he was inducted in the Memphis Music Hall of Fame in 2015. Um, he came, he spoke for 20 minutes. Nobody cared that he spoke that long. He, uh, Jimmy Fallon came to um, mm -hmm. induct him. The two of them sang the Tiger Fight song, which has been replayed on practically every game that the Memphis Tigers have ever played on national television. And, um, yeah, and he loves the city. Uh, when he was here for the Stax event, he stopped by B.B. King's Blues Club and jumped on stage 
and played. He has he has backed other musicians out of Memphis, Tennessee, and so um, you know if you ask Justin Timberlake where he's from, Justin Timberlake will tell you he's <laughs> from Memphis, Tennessee. Wow. There's no question well, okay. on that one. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm looking at the clock, and I've got a few more questions I want to ask because, um, uh, Mr. Mayor, I um, do want to give Lori a chance <laughs> to say something. I'm not kidding. My God. Um, or I don't he know what kind be. of a – seriously. or, or if the, 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 the whatever Whatever the top position is of tourism, um, that would be a good one too. You're probably it's just a fun so job. Many, That's all I want to do. Well, and you know, I I would imagine you're on lots of different committees that do wonderful things. I I'm there's no doubt about that. But Lori, I wanted to ask you, as someone that's been associated with both of these museums, do you have like a memorable moment? Like, oh my gosh, if I could go back and do that or see that or experience that again, what what would you say would be like truly memorable for you? Okay, and John can back me up on this. It okay. has to be when Keith Richards from the Rolling Stones accepted the uh, the award for Scotty Moore, who was Elvis's guitar player. Mm-hmm. He, when they handed him the award, which is a heavy award, okay, it's Tennessee um, West Tennessee wood and pewter, and it's quite heavy. And I don't think anybody warned Keith about that because when they handed it to him, he dropped it on the stage. <gasps> and there was oh, a no. collective, you know, from everybody. And then he picked it up. It was not hurt at all. He got to the podium, and everyone was laughing hysterically. <laughs> and to be yeah. honest with yeah. you, John, I could not understand a word he said because he was kind of laughing too. <laughs> you were standing yeah. closer to him, so you maybe could say what happened but that was so memorable because i know he was embarrassed but it was it was a fantastic moment and who was tell me scott scotty what was scotty's last name scotty Scotty moore Moore. he he was elvis's guitar player got it he was when when uh when he first got started at uh and made his record at sun studio um scotty moore was his guitar player and had been his guitar player for quite a few years yeah they originally started yeah they originally started um, bill black scotty moore and elvis originally started as the blue moon boys and Mm -hmm. um only until elvis kind of was pulled out as a soloist did he become elvis presley Got it. And Keith Richards right. and Keith, knew and Keith, Keith was Moore. a huge fan of Scotty's. Mm-hmm. He he wanted to be like Scotty Moore. That was his hero. Yeah. yeah. Got there's it. There's a famous quote from Yeah, there's a mm-hmm. there's a famous quote from Keith Richards. There's some uh, lots of great famous quotes and like Lori mentioned, a lot of them are from the Beatles. Um John Lennon said if it weren't for Elvis there would have been no Beatles. Um Scott um Keith Richards once said everybody wanted to be Elvis. I always wanted to be Scotty um, because wow. Scotty Moore is an incredible guitar player that when you listen to most of Elvis's songs and how key guitar is on those songs and some of the opening riffs of some of those, that's Scotty Moore. And so when you're talking about a silent, gentle man who owned a record company sometime after his recording career at Sun Studios, but was really just demeanor-wise was just a, a quiet man who had an a enormous musical talent, and the guitar players of the world totally recognize that. What, what is, what's occurring to me is that 
I feel like without the visual of physically being there, this is what you, what we are doing is precisely what your museum does. I never heard of Scotty Moore. Right. Obviously, I've heard of right. Keith Richards, and now right. that's something that I'm going to learn by having the Smithsonian, the good fortune of the Smithsonian relationship, of having that headset on, standing there. And and listening to that story and and hearing about that, it, it's really it's quite phenomenal. John, do you host this the ceremony when when you have this program on Friday night? Are you the host? Um, with this southern drawl, do you think I would be the host of the ceremony? We have yes. a gentleman that uh, <laughs> no, I don't. Um, I have gone out and thanked um, sponsors who make it possible before and everything like that, but. You know, we have this gentleman by the name of Leon Griffin who has a voice, like we always say, a voice of God. And so he's backstage, and he pretty much um, leads it. it. It's a smooth-running show. It goes from song to song to song. We stop. We present a trophy. Uh, you know, we allow these legends to come up and say something which just captivates the whole audience. And then we go back to music. And um, it is, you know, it's a it's a concert is what it is. When, you know, when folks come on Friday night, they'll hear Don Bryant, who was one of the greatest songwriters from High Records, will be performing. Charlie Musselwhite will be performing. Dan Penn will be performing. Dee Dee Bridgewater, one of the great um, jazz musicians of our times and from, the, you know, here in the U.S., she will be performing. Um, we'll do a phenomenal musical medley for both the Memphis Boys, which I can tell you about, and uh, Tina Turner, um, you know, here. And so, yeah, folks will feel like they're, they've been at one of the coolest concerts they've ever been to. You know, you've been, Marsha, to that concert before when you went to see someone because they had that hit record out, and so you mm -hmm. had to buy the ticket and you had to go to the concert, and then you had to listen to maybe 30 or 45 minutes of their lesser-known stuff in order to hear that hit song or those two hit songs, you come to this, and it is it is artist after artist after artist, hit record after hit record after hit record, special guest after special guest. And so it's an incredible night. We try to keep it to about two to two and a half hours um, mm -hmm. just because that makes sense. People always sure. want more. They want it to go over. You know, when, again, when, um, not badgering him, but, the you know, when Timberlake went on, and there's, you know, you can go to YouTube and just search Timberlake and Memphis Music Hall of Fame. His speech was hysterical. Uh, <laughs> Jimmy yeah. Fallon would interrupt it, which made it hysterical, you know, and so the whole night becomes magical. It really doesn't need a host because these people who are being inducted, they are the host of the show. They're the reason we're there. Um, they're the ones who the spotlight needs to be turned on. And um, even that incredible voice of God backstage stays backstage um, because, you know, that, that's, that's where we want to focus. So he's, he emcees it, but he's not, yeah. he's not up on stage with his tux on. Um, he is, a, he is I, an I, ugly man. We don't let him come out from backstage. He's a great guy. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, how, many, how many people um, can attend? How, how large is the venue? The venue's two thousand seats. It's a Holy you know it's a nice cow. comfortable venue. Memphis is yeah Memphis is missing something here. We've got um, a couple of incredible two thousand seat venues, and then we go to this incredible um, um, FedEx Forum, which 
Um, seats 18,000 that was sold out a few nights ago for Sir Elton John here, someone you've probably heard of. Oh, I've heard Elton of him. Elton John was yeah. here in concert. Yeah. yeah. Celine Dion's about to come in concert. They just announced that Cher's coming in concert. And so that's what FedEx Forum is for when you need 18,000 seats. You know, for something more intimate for this, it's a, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's a 2,000-seat venue. We kind of need a 5,000-seater here in Memphis, Tennessee, but Memphis loves the big, huge concert, you know, and then we also love the intimate thing when you're, you know, when you're sitting and you hear John Prine last year came and performed to pay tribute to um, Cowboy Jack Clement and... He didn't use. The, we have an incredible house band that's made up of some of the best Memphis musicians you've ever heard. But yeah. without that, and I don't know if you know an Americana genius, John Prine. Um, he I went don't, out on that but stage I sure am curious. Pl- oh, you've yeah. got to, you've got to. Uh, I will iTunes, look him up. You know. mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, he's he's phenomenal, and and he's a legend. And um, he went out there and played this song that was by Cowboy Jack Clement, who's passed away. And it stopped the whole show. The whole audience was, I mean, if he had sung for three hours, the audience would have still been there listening. But it was a captivating moment. And you see these. You see when Snoop Dogg comes to pay tribute to William Bell and the two of them perform together. When Sam Moore of Sam and Dave, who did Hold On, I'm Coming, Soul Man, Mm -hmm. um, he was inducted the same year that Timberlake and the two of them performed together on stage. Uh, you know, every year there are these magical moments when um, jam sessions break out on the concert stage. And, you know, those kinds of things can happen in Detroit. They can happen from a country standpoint in Nashville. But what folks will see Friday night and what folks have seen for the last um, eight years when we've done this, it's truly something that can only happen in Memphis, Tennessee. Well, it's it sure sounds exciting. And I, I almost feel like, okay, so does it usually happen around the first week of November? Is that typically when you do these? Yeah, the sometime holidays? around the end of October. Yeah, end of October, uh-huh. 1st of November is when we usually do them. Well, I'm going to have to book a ticket because this this really this sounds so exciting. You You make anyone that's listening want to attend and even even in the case of some of these people frankly that I am not familiar with I'm be honest I've never yep. heard of some of these people personally um you know it makes me think well if they've been inducted then clearly there's a message there that that you want and your and your committee wants others to know about and it's very prestigious I I just, just yep. think it's incredible um I don't know. I I feel like if you if you want if you're going to make travel plans and you know we're coming towards the end of the year but people are thinking about springtime, you know, and and thinking about where do I want to go in 2020. I don't see how Memphis can't be part of that itinerary based on what we've just talked about. Is there you know, Lori talked about the, uh Keith Richards. Is there any moment that you would say, "Oh my god, do you remember the time, Lori, when? Is is there one of those for you? For the Hall of Fame or for Rock and Soul or for either one? You know what? Either one. Either one. I'm going to leave that up to you. Um, let me see. You know, um, last I go to sentimental moments sometimes, I'll, and there, I'll give you two of them from last year real quickly, as if any sure. question you've asked me I've answered quickly. But um, – 
George <laughs> Klein, who I mentioned was Elvis's best friend and who um, uh, was an air personality here in Memphis and promoted Memphis music for years. He was inducted last year. He couldn't come because he was very gravely ill and wanted so bad to come to the ceremony, and his health just didn't allow him to. And so, and he actually passed away a couple of weeks following last year's induction ceremony. And Priscilla Presley, Elvis's wife, or um, former wife, came to town um, to pay tribute to him. And it was such a, a touching moment that, you know, really um, made everybody cry. And then we started the show. We induct these incredible people. And last year, we were celebrating the 50th anniversary of um, the six. I'm sorry, the 60th anniversary of Great Balls of Fire, which is just a little seldom known song by Jerry Lee Lewis. And um, <laughs> Jerry Lee is now in his 80s. Yeah, when you think about the Million Dollar Quartet that gathered at Sun Studios, Carl Perkins, Johnny Cash. Elvis Presley and Jerry Lee Lewis. Jerry Lee was the wilder of the four. Um, he was the one who would set the piano on fire, who would kick the piano stool. Um, you know, obviously has been um, uh, immortalized by Dennis Quaid in movies and many others. And um, he came and performed Great Balls of Fire. And to have the energy that this gentleman has at his age, and all the stories that he has, again, it's one of those things, you know, it's like, I mean, you know, there, there are few things you can compare to that as far as having an opportunity um, to see someone like that before they pass away. And I don't think he'll pass away for probably another 50 years. But, oh, um, yeah. no, <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, to, there's a lot of things that you want to do. You want to go to a Paul McCartney concert or you want to go to a Van Morrison concert. Um, you know, all of those that through our lives we always wanted to do to make part of our bucket list. Um, mm -hmm. You know, for those 2,000 folks that had the opportunity to come and, and fill up the Cannon Center last year to hear Jerry Lee Lewis sing Great Balls of Fire just um, is almost like a life changer. So that would have I to be Were and you there, Lori? The, the same year. Go ahead. Uh, I was there. I haven't missed one. Uh, the uh -huh. box tops who who are actually friends of mine. I was so excited to see them perform and be inducted. It was it was a great moment. Yeah. Is the box talks give me a ticket for an airplane? Yes. No. Uh -huh. yes. But, but it is. Right. See, I told you. I know yeah. my music. And when it's you were saying the million dollar. Yeah. What? The million dollar quartet. And also mention when, the box tops. Everything about Memphis all ties back together. That's why they have to go to the website. Because this year we're inducting Dan Penn who wrote mm -hmm. the letter for the Box Tops. The Box mm -hmm. Tops was, uh, the lead singer of the Box Tops was an incredible gentleman, Alex Chilton, who was also the lead singer of Big Star, which people who are in that genre of music, it's a little more of an alternative music, definitely know Great the Box band. Tops and how influential they are. But it was Dan Penn who, when the Box Tops were in American Sound Studios um, to record that song, and he said to um, Alex Chilton, don't say, give me a ticket for an airplane. Say, give me a ticket for an aeroplane, uh, which anyone who has ever heard or sung that song, that's the most iconic line out of that song is when he says, give me a ticket for an aeroplane. And um, right. that just talks about that influence of all of these people from Memphis, whether you are uh, an engineer, whether you're a studio owner, whether you're a musician, whether you're a background vocalist, 
how that magic happens when people come together. And like I mentioned before, that's what happened in Memphis. Black people, white people came together and changed the lives of everybody that's listening to this radio station. Wow. Lori, remember when you and I had this conversation and you said, Marsha, (laughs) really, I know you think I could do a whole hour with you, and I probably could, but (laughs) Marsha, you've got to have John on the show because he is just incredible. And so, Lori, thank you for the connection to John because I would agree with you. He has, oh, yeah. You have been incredible, John. And the stories. Yes, I appreciate that. I've got to say, you have got to have Lori back on for an hour of herself because Lori has some of the most incredible stories about ghosts in the museum, about um, Slash from Guns N' Roses, about Pete Best, who was the original drummer from the Beatles. Lori Montanero could fill an entire couple of hours of your show and tell stories that would make your head spin. Well, guess what? I just, well, I just, didn't, give just, her, I just didn't give her a chance to talk. You know what, John? No, you You're just job. like one. That's okay. Listen, you are just one step behind my idea because I already knew that. I was already prepared yeah. to have Lori come back because I do want to hear her ghost stories, and I do want to you reminisce should. about the things that Lori has enjoyed so much about yeah. her association with you, John, with her association with the city, and with the association of these museums. It, it, I, you're right, Lori. I, you, you're correct, and and I, I, I very much respect the fact that you've let John, you know, um, your 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 mayor in, in waiting to to talk about this wonderful city, and to share with our listeners, especially if you love music, and and I re, and I really do love music. My husband was from the Detroit. They know about mm-hmm. music. You know, I grew up they here do. in the Beach City, so we know about. You know, surf music yep. and things like that. So Motown, all of that stuff, that that music is, like you said earlier, John, it is the it is not the language barrier. That that's why I do these shows every single week to let people know how we are so much more alike than we are different. And when people right. say, "Guy, how do you just keep doing this?" John, today was my two hundred and 25th show. And wow. people say, I know. And it's like, really, Marsha? And it's like, yes, as a matter of fact, really. That's how that's how many shows I've been doing this. I, I will have five years in in April doing this. And I, I love every moment of it because I think that this is what's missing in our world today. And by just sharing a little piece of you with me and those that want to listen <coughs> unites us. And music is that uniter. And I, I want to thank you so much, both of you, for taking the time, particularly on such a fun-filled, exciting week. I Memphis is on my list, not even on the bucket list. Memphis is on my list for 2020. And I will come, and I will enjoy the city. I will enjoy your museums. I will enjoy a personal hug. And I'm just grateful for the time that you've spent with me today, truly. Thank you so much for the experience. Yeah. Well, go out there, everybody. Well, good. And everybody go out there. Find your favorite, goodness gracious, great balls of fire. Great balls of fire. Um, Great balls. See, I can almost say fire. 
but you know, uh-huh. not quite and as co- well as you. <laughs> and, <laughs> Until and next everybody time, come, everyone. What's and everybody that? come to Memphis. And everybody come and to I Memphis. Just, and everybody come to Memphis. I just want to say this one last thing as we're exiting the show today. Next Monday is Veterans Day. It's November the 11th. And I'm having two women that served in the military in the um, Army Medical uh, Army Nurses Corps. And they're going to be my show next week as we talk about their experiences as nurses in Vietnam some 50-plus years ago. So when I tell you that my show has a variety, but it always has what's, what's clearly always the same is passion, passion for lives, passion for what you're interested in, and that's my passion as well. So thank you again, both of you, for joining me. I will let you get on with your day in beautiful Memphis. And everybody, join in next week when I'll have that show with my two friends from the um, Nurses Corps uh, celebrating Veterans Day. Bye for now, everybody.